Welcome to the Sacred Emergence Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Wong, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. This is a place where you'll be guided to living your most aligned life so that your truest, most radiant self can emerge. We'll be jamming on topics ranging from spirituality, entrepreneurship, to wellness and lifestyle design, and everything in between that can support you to grow, evolve, and shine, all the while not taking ourselves too seriously. So if you're ready to step into your leadership, break through limiting beliefs, own all of who you are, and expand in abundance, grab yourself your faith cup of tea, and let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sacred Emergence. Today, I have a beautiful guest with us, Susan Tate, wellness goddess. And Susan comes from, well, she's visiting, she's on our interview by way of Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, And Susan and I met in Seattle. So Susan, would you like to say hello? Hello, everyone. And Sacred Emergence. Michelle, I love that title. Thank Way to go. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Susan is, was my very first mentor. And um, how did we met? So actually, when I first moved to Seattle, um, I was looking for a NIA class. And uh, I was so mm-hmm. new to the Seattle era. I was actually in Redmond, Washington. And uh, I came upon Susan's website. And I was like, oh, cool. She... She taught at UVA, which is where I went for undergrad, um, but I was so new to the area and Edmond seemed so far away that I was like, oh, mm. maybe in the future. And I just left it like that. Mm. And I think it wasn't until seven years later when like things were in alignment that I reached out um, mm. and then everything was magic from there. So, magic indeed. It's always perfect timing when someone shows up for a NIA class the first time. So cool. Yeah. And um, Susan, I just adore you. I think you're incredible. And today we are going to be talking about Mm. sacred sexuality. And I, I mean, you've written so many books and you've offered a lot of different workshops. And one of the pieces that have been really like the sexuality piece, I think you, when you and I were talking like previously, you were saying how the work that you did around sexuality, like I forget what year it was, it's still relevant today, especially with what's mm-hmm. happening in culture and all that. So I'm so excited to dive in more and share like, what does it mean? Like what, what is sacred sexuality? And, mm-hmm. you know, you want me to start with sacred? <laughs> there are so do. many things there. Okay. So what's sacred to each person may be different, but I think of sacred as pertaining to the divine, whatever the divine means to you. Everyone has different words um, for uh, something higher, um, if, they, if they believe in something higher. So I am very cautious to not specifically use any words, but sacred is um, worthy of reverence. And I believe that each of us is worthy of reverence. And I think when I share this, that's how I start to remind us we are worthy. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, um, and then sexuality, I mean, I think sexuality can, some people might feel uncomfortable with the word sex, but like sexuality, mm-hmm. I think can also be interpreted in many different ways. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and um, I'm about to do um, a sacred sexuality uh, presentation this Sunday here in Charlottesville at a welcome circle in town. And 
one of the things that I really want to, with all the teaching I've done, which has been for 48 years actually as a health educator and learning along the way and teaching sexuality education, I think one of the biggest points I like to share with people is sexuality is so much more than sex. So you said, like people say sex and we go, ah! you know, believe me, I was raised with parents who went, ah! you know, so I picked the perfect parents to not learn anything about and I had to figure it out along the way. So thanks mom and dad, you know, and, um, and I truly say that lovingly, but sexuality is so much more than the physical act. And often people will introduce me as a sex educator. And I will very quickly correct and say, no, I'm a sexuality educator. And to me, what that means is so much more inclusive. It's the biological issues, the ethical, the cultural, the physical, the sensual, the spiritual, um, gender expression, gender identity, um, sexual orientation, your attitudes, your spiritual religious beliefs. That's just a start of what to me sexuality is. And, and to me, it's sacred. And it can also be silly and fun and playful and you, you're not thinking sacred, but the gift of our sexuality that often people don't get to absorb is so is so can be so sacred and so inclusive mm. how did you come about like how did this journey start for you like what made you decide mm. to go into this work mm. um, great question <laughs> thank you for asking why well, initially said you know my i picked the perfect parents they told me nothing um, i was 17 before i learned where babies came from Oh, wow. 17. My children were two, <laughs> you know, <laughs> once they could understand anything. Um, so that shifted really quickly. In high school, uh, we had a health teacher in 11th and 12th grade. I won't say her name, although I'm sure she's probably not on the planet anymore. And she was doing the best that she could. This was, I was in high school in the, in the 60s. And my first public education was her wagging her finger at a classroom full of girls because the boys were across the hall. You know, we should not be together for this. And she said, girls, don't get BD. Venereal disease, which is now sexually transmitted infections. Oh, wow. Sex, you know, STDs or no, STS. And we all didn't know a whole lot, but we knew enough. Somebody would always, like both years, somebody would raise their hand and say, but Miss Spar, how do you get CD? <laughs> <laughs> and her face would turn red, Michelle. Her face mm. would turn red and say, just don't get it. That was my high school. Wow. That was what I learned. My parents, my mother, I would ask questions and her face would turn red and she would say, ask me when you're older. My undergraduate at Penn State, I majored in health education and physical education, where I had my first incredible professor of health education who included sexuality education in a way I had never heard it before. He was amazing. And I say he also, it was a male sexuality education teacher, which is unusual. There are more female, I think. Um, and um, he, 
he was, he, he shifted things for me and he began to make it sacred. He did not say that word, but he showed me the value of the choices that we could make. And I've taken it from there. (laughs) I run with it for decades. So like what, like, so if someone's coming to your workshop, like what Mm -hmm. would be sacred sexuality? Like how would you guide Mm. someone through that? So the, one of the things I do, so for example, this Sunday, I will be sharing, it's a two part and I'll be, I do a PowerPoint presentation, not to lecture. It is not ever a lecture. It is let's join this conversation, but I love to use all the senses. So to have a picture of something or to have a couple words to spring from or, or quotes. So in, in a, cherishing the sacred and the sensuous and sexuality presentation, I begin with some definitions. Um, I begin with a quote from Walt Whitman that says, if anything is sacred, the human body is sacred. Mm. And I love that you, that makes me gulp every single time. Um, I then go on after the definition so that we're all on the same page. And, and I look, use the word cherish a lot. And like cherish is having, is honoring ourselves, mm. like really loving ourselves first and foremost, whether we're in a relationship or not, like loving ourselves as the best lover that we are. Um, and then, um, I have, I talk about, like, I listed all the things with, um, I talk about the difference between sex and sexuality. One of the, there are two focal points. I would say the first focal point of these workshops involve looking at positive and negative messages about sex and sexuality. And there I distinguish the two. And I also, I give a play sheet, a worksheet that, that divides that into ages. So I ask people to list positive and negative messages about sex and sexuality that they learned from birth to seven, Mm. um, from seven to 21, and from 21 to the present. And then we do small group discussion, which just could go on for hours and hours and hours. What I've learned I'm putting into a book, so my primary workshop is called Igniting the Power of the Pelvis, which I'm pretty sure you attended. Um, and, uh, that one, we also dance Mia too at the mm-hmm. end. So if anybody doesn't know what Mia is, it's a combination, uh, it's a luscious combination of dance arts, martial arts, and healing arts, um, mind, body, spirit, emotion focused. And we dance in the concepts at the end. So that's somewhat of the structure, but the, the focal point is, is looking, what did we learn and when did we learn it? And what I have found is about 75% of the people had negative messages early on, if not more. I'm giving a, like, to not, to not be so depressing. Um, and that's a non-clinical study. <laughs> um, but um, looking at uh, repeatedly, people didn't share as a child or they heard messages. Um, and also um, what's come up is the work, um, uh, the work of Bruce Lipton and uh, PhD up at uh, epigenetics uh, expert who talks about how what we learned from birth to seven stays with us unless we we do subconscious it's in our subconscious 
um, unless we change it. And that's another focus of that so that we can say, oh, I want to be better or, or if someone was assaulted or um, hurt as a, as, a, as a child, which the statistics are very high, yeah. there's a way we can consciously go to therapy and consciously heal that. But yet there's some deep subconscious that we don't even know are there and there are things that can that can change that the other part two um is uh, so the messages we received are part one and the other part is i have a, a group of quotes in fact i'm i'm going to show them i have them on stars oh kind of like that i had tarot cards <laughs> and i throw them all over the floor and you know it's like we just then pick up whichever one. And I cannot tell you, it's like a Chinese fortune cookie. And I know you would appreciate that. <laughs> and, and they'll read it and say, Oh my gosh, or they had just talked about that before mm -hmm. in their messages. I mean, that happens. So that just cracks me up. Um, so I'm looking at this first one on top and it says, uh, it uses the word God, but I'll say whatever you say, the divine, help me to believe the truth about myself, no matter how beautiful it is. Mm, I love that. And, and that's Macrina Whitaker to give her credit. So all different kinds of things about communication and I'll stop and you can ask the next question because no, of course great. I could go on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. It was so funny because when you said like the fortune cookie, like my mind, I forgot who, hmm. it's always like you tack on in bed. <laughs> After you read, yeah. oh yes, oh yeah. we, yes, we did that. We did that in Seattle. A friend of mine shared it, and we like, yeah, like you will find great pleasure in the next week in bed. In bed, right? <laughs> in bed. Yes. So for all those listening, tack on in bed, and it makes you laugh. Yes, and it's it's fun. And it works. Yeah, and it works. That's the other thing. It's like, oh my gosh, who made these fortune cookies? It gets so true. Um, yeah. So then for, I mean, oh, like. Going back to what you were saying, um, because where are we? We're in 2019, right? We're towards the end of 2019, almost 2020 in a few mm -hmm. months. Um, and I was just fascinated when, we, when you shared that, you know, you're going to re-update the book that you initially wrote around sacred sexuality. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it's interesting how it's still a taboo topic. And the fact that growing up for myself, like I was raised, you know, I went to Catholic school. So like, you know, the, you know, the Catholic education, especially around sex was, you know, it's very, don't have sex until after marriage and all of that. Um, and like, I don't like, it, it is a huge topic. And um, like a part of me is like, okay, well, what, what has changed? Why hasn't things changed? And I, you know, of course we can all give our own points of why things haven't changed. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I, I do see change at the same time. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a huge topic, but so I'm curious, like, um, mm -hmm. as you're working on the update for your book, like what, what mm -hmm. pops into your mind of like, okay, like what's now mm -hmm. relevant? or what's, you know? Mm -hmm. Thank you for asking the question. So to, to clarify, the book that I wrote in um, 1995 was called Working Together to Prevent Sexual Assault. Mm, so okay. it, it like, and I, but sacred sexuality is gonna be coming <laughs> soon, <laughs> soon to your bookstore. Um, because again, putting those words together, I actually um, will share, maybe if you mind me, I, it's something to share, but somebody was very critical of me when I, when I 
put something on Facebook about my workshop, Cherishing the Sacred and the Sensuous. So if you come back to that, it's a very interesting yeah. like story Let's of that. Let's do that. But, uh, um, so I wrote that book in 1995. And after the Supreme Court hearings this fall, that's the story that you're remembering very vividly. And I, I remember it like yesterday. I um, had to turn the TV off several times. And I, at one point after I turned it off in frustration, it was like, like nothing has changed. Like, what is this about? And what I found myself saying out loud, I was in my living room by myself and I said, what is mine to do? And I walked over to my bookshelf where my books, I've written a couple different health related books. I had not looked at this book. I used to use this book at the University of Virginia. I shared it. I you know, spoke on it for, you know, for years, but I have not much of using that book on sexual health in this decade. Like mm -hmm. that was the nine, more than 90s work that I was doing mostly at the University of Virginia. And I walked over and I pulled the book off the shelf. I think maybe I have, and I don't have it handy. Um, and I opened to the introduction to the teacher and I read the first three pages with tears in my eyes and like a combination of anger and mm -hmm. I had so much emotion and I, and I thought this book could have been written today. Mm. And I know that's what probably what you remember me saying it was, it was, yeah. I was aghast that nothing had changed mm. with the exception of social media. Yeah. Like, so when I'm re I'm rewriting this, but, but the, the, the people not believing the patriarchal crap that, um, that not all men, but what, what we saw, what I'm going to say I saw and what I, uh, during these hearings and, and, and the depth of not believing women or boys or girls or men who have been sexually assaulted. Um, but, and so that's why people don't say anything or people of any gender, like, being quiet like how can that happen and they're not going to they're not going to say it and so i started writing it again and my co-author mark ben who's a psychologist at the university of at colorado state um is is now retired and so i talked with him and i called and said you want to do that in a, in a heartbeat you do it uh, you know you do the other part and i'm doing this so i want to make sure i mention mark ben um but he was all I asked him to support me in writing that years ago because of his background. I wanted, if we're working together, I wanted um, a male to, mm -hmm. to work together with me. I wanted um, uh, somebody who is a, a psychologist to have my, to back me up because it's like, as I'm writing it now, I find myself, there's so much research. I had to go to the library before for the most part. You know, not as, and now everything's in front of me. So the research, so I would be working on in March, January, February, March, I'm working on this book at night and I couldn't sleep mm. because there's, because there's, it was so intense. So that's the first part that the need for this, for teachers, counselors, therapists. Um, and the second part um, of the question is what's different? Um, oh, I say the biggest two differences are languaging. Um, so I used male and female there, mm -hmm. and I was not inclusive in all genders. Now it is clearly that wasn't spoken in that way. I'm very sensitive to um, not saying like 
males or females. I'll say all people of all genders. Um, the other part is the uh, the social media aspect of what that does when stuff is online, you know, and somebody will post something that will, you know, totally rip someone's heart apart or embarrass them or do something. Um, I went to, and the Me Too movement is very powerful. That's new and different because of Instagram and because of social media. But it was interesting. I went to a play, um, a revival actually of, of a play that my daughter was in when she was in high school. Mm -hmm. And um, at the end of it, there was a discussion with these amazing, diverse group of young people in Charlottesville, like incredible, inc incredible people. And um, somebody said something about the Me Too movement. And one of the high school actors said that most of it is very positive. But she said she was, um, I think it was a 10th grader a guy came up and um, smacked some girl's bottom and said, ha, I me too'd you. <gasps> oh, yes, I felt the same. <laughs> and <laughs> so there was a piece of that that was like, so they, that's been, um, you know, that, not that that's, but, but that was a vivid, you know, mm -hmm. recalling. The other amazing thing that was not, in any of the literature in the 90s that I found. In fact, the book that I wrote for teachers was the only one of its kind. Mm -hmm. um, how many schools, I actually like what, there were lots of copies sold, thousands and thousands of copies sold, but where you would be allowed, like a Catholic school or private, you know, who would, you know, take this and be able to say some of the words, you know, that would be in that. But one of the very centerpieces of this edition will be bystander intervention, which is when someone sees something about to happen. And I learned this at this play. This was, and they did a super job. So bystander intervention is if you're with somebody and they're, you know, maybe they've had too much to drink and you see them not being able to make a decision and you see somebody trying to get them in another room, or you're at a place where clearly somebody's overpowering and, and trying to convince somebody of something, whether alcohol or drugs are involved or not, the bystander comes up and does something to take the person away mm. safely. Yeah. And that's happening. And that is happening. So to the credit of young people, they're learning that and they're doing that and they're, they're standing up for each other. Mm. I think like, um, also like when we talk about like sexuality and like just you were talking about, you know, social media, even like not, yeah, like it's part of sexuality, especially like around like a woman's period, for example, and like mm -hmm. celebrating that. Cause it used to be like a hush hush thing. Like, um, mm -hmm. and I just feel like going back to, you know, what you were saying, like cherishing who we are and our bodies. I mean, that's all part mm -hmm. of it. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to mention that because like, mm -hmm. sometimes like, like just looking at conditioning, cause you're talking about between, mm -hmm. you know, ages of zero to seven, but even growing up in high school and all that, it's like, even now when I'm on social media and like, there'll be a company that, you know, celebrates and they make, you know, whatever period panties or whatever, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they'll show like, you know, a red spot on underwear. Sometimes I'm like, <laughs> mm -hmm. right. So it is, it, there's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Um, but anyway, so that is amazing. Mm -hmm. I just love like the points that you were highlighting around um, the bystander mm -hmm. intervention and just being more uh, gender inclusive. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's, I just feel like this topic is, I mean, we can talk about it forever. Um, Mm -hmm. I yeah. have a, another, um, do you have a, may I, may I interject here yes, something while I think course. about it? Yeah. Okay. So uh, what I'd like to say to your listeners, I'd like to say two words and, and have them close their eyes for a second um, to see what comes up. So the first word, masturbation. Second word, it's actually two, self-pleasuring. Hmm. So, will people be able to see you on this podcast? Because I loved what you just did. <laughs> it's very typical. So the first time I did this was decade, two decades ago at the in the '90s at the National Wellness Conference. 250 people, you know, men, you know, just everyone there. And um, so I say, you know, masturbation, and everybody giggles. These are adults, and we're all giggling, like we're all like, <laughs> you know. But there's a shame. There's a giggle, but there's a, oh, I'm not supposed to say or do that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I, I think, you know, I change words a lot. Like I, I love it. Like I don't say exercise. I say movement. I yeah. don't say nutrition. I say nourishment, you know, but okay. Well, this was the first word that I changed a long time ago <laughs> because masturbation was a sin. You know, that's how I was taught that it was a sin. And if that's your belief, then absolutely like you get to believe whatever you want to believe. Um, and that makes me want to say something about um, whatever's right for each couple is what's right. So I, I'm not going to say about like sex techniques, but mm -hmm. a quick summarizing statement is I believe strongly that whatever is right and, and appropriate and, and sacred and agreed upon by the couple, then however that physically and emotionally unfolds is for them. And it's not for someone else to say, you shouldn't do that right. or how that is, or, or you should be doing that. Like, why aren't you doing that? I just had an aside with that. But the self-pleasuring aspect of knowing our bodies, and you, you kind of alluded to that. That's what reminded me of it when you were talking about the periods and then we get embarrassed and mm -hmm. where is that from? And, you know, we came into this world through a pelvis. We came into this world through a combination of an egg and sperm. I'm sorry, doesn't get any more sexual than that to me. You know, but there's this secrecy, mm -hmm. or there was not as much. Um, and I told you, I was 17 yeah. before, and it wasn't even egg and sperm. Like it, it wasn't that. And and so to offer that, that we to know our own bodies, to be able to in and out of a relationship, whether we're with someone or not, to love on our bodies, to care for our bodies, to treasure our bodies and not have for, you know, for people who have periods, have blood be an issue or, you know, sperm leakage be an issue or, and I'm, what's coming up to me is also age, like all the stuff that's said about sexuality and aging. I had a student at Charlottesville High School quite some time ago. I had them write, um, uh, uh, newspaper articles. Of course, this was before social media, so it wasn't a blog. <laughs> but one of their assignments, they I asked them to write a newspaper article on 
the pros and cons of abstinence. And they had to give three of each. So I never had to, I didn't, I didn't have to teach. They came up with it themselves. But I'm sharing this because one of the students, I remember vividly, read his out loud and he said, abstinence is okay if you're under 16 and over 35. If you're under 16, you're too young. And if you're over 35, you're too old. <laughs> At the time, probably 38 years old with two children thinking, oh, honey, come see me when you're 38. <laughs> you know, come see me when you're 95 and you think you're done. Yeah. You know, like you, like I used to teach aging also. And I would say older people also have sex and they'd go, ew. <laughs> You know, ew. and I say they just do it. They might just do it slower. You know, so that's, that's cute. cute. <laughs> I love that. Oh my goodness. Um, well, here's like, I mean, I I bring it up because I know that because you mentioned like um, sexual assaults. Um, I mean, so yes. many. I, mm -hmm. I forget the statistic. One in three or one in four women. Yeah. Um, I mean, it happens to men as well, but like how, mm -hmm. like what's the process for healing that you would recommend to start that? Mm. Yeah. I think it's different for everyone. The first thing that comes up that I'm, I'm so conscious of language, like the power of our words. And so some people will refer to themselves as victims and some will refer to themselves as survivors. And they might start as victim and go to survivors. And I think for everyone to understand that the person that had that experience gets to choose their language. They get to say, I am a victim. They get to say, I am a survivor. They get to call it. We don't say, oh, but aren't you a survivor now? Like, so for all of us, like listening, like listening to someone believing, to believe, we were always taught to believe, you know, so in these Supreme Court hearings, it's like, what going on in front of my head is like, you've got to be kidding. Like, we need to believe, we need to believe first. And um, in that healing, each person will find a different way to heal. Absolutely, people deserve therapy. And I always say about therapists, go to three. At least, I mean, if you go to the first one and, and you don't feel comfortable, go to another one. If you don't go to that, like, go to an, at least three. Mm -hmm. um, to find a good match, you deserve to have the support to be healed. You deserve to be heard. I cannot tell you, I could have another book. I'm thinking of a student many years ago who came to me who was raped by her cousin. She went home and told her mother. Her mother said, why are you making up this story? Three months later, she comes to me and said, I'm pregnant. Oh my God. No one believed her except me. And I took her to my friend, the school psychologist. Um, she was kicked out of her house. It's like, why are you doing this? She lived with her grandmother who tolerated it. Like her, her grandmother was all, all right. She lost the baby at seven months, seven months pregnant. So she was raped. She got pregnant. She had a miscarriage. And people around her were negating this. Mm -hmm. She went into nursing, actually. I, I knew that later and so returned that into healing. Um, another uh, friend of mine who's in her 70s, her mother was watching these hearings and her mother said to my friend who's in her 70s, 
I can't believe people are saying, making these claims. I don't know one person who has been sexually assaulted. Wow. And my friend was sexually assaulted and her mother, she was raped at 16 and her mother never knew. She didn't tell her because it wasn't Mm. safe. So, so find someone to believe you, Mm. find someone to be with you and, and, and you deserve to be here. You deserve to have support. You deserve to come back with your strength that you have in your own time, in your own way. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, all of that, because um, you know, with sexuality and it being like the sacred sexuality and all of that, like, it really, it supports our confidence and it supports like our power. And I just like when, when shit like that happens, it, it's like, I don't know, it's like, or it feels like the power is taken away. And so I just mm-hmm. love the, what you were saying about like you deserve to be supported and to be heard because it's it's so true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as you say that, one of the things that I didn't know a long time ago, but uh, that I know now that may be supportive to people listening, um, in some instances, you know, in an assault or rape or unwanted touches, there is no control. Like there is no control. Um, and in, in many instances, um, when I was actively involved with the American College Health Association in the 90s when I was at UVA, um, I would go to the, comp- the American College Health Association conference every year. I was walking along the street, and I can't remember, I think it was in Atlanta, I'm not sure. And I was walking with three health educator males. And so I loved hanging out with these guys because they were like the best of the ma- like just so much fun. And we're walking along the street at night, and a man came. Um, up by me, walked toward me and by me and reached over and put his hand between my legs. What? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. My God. Over the sacred part of my, like very quickly with three men next to me. Wow. And pressed and squeezed, you know, my vulva area. And, and, and I'm like, I amazingly enough took my hand and grabbed his arm and said, suck off. So that's not my choice of work. (laughs) It is Um, so powerful. (laughs) And and I refused to let him get me. Yeah. But that took me decades to get there. Yeah. You know, to be able to just say, no way am I letting you do that to me. Yeah. And and had I been 10 years earlier, uh, like, so these three men were, these three men thought it was their fault that they should have been, you know, bought and they're like, you know, very dear, but it was going to happen. And so knowing what I know now, that would be my response mm-hmm. um, uh, in that setting, in that setting. But 10 years earlier, I would have been crushed and, and devastated and violated. And, and so there's a piece of that power now that owning that power i want i want young people to know like mm-hmm. owning your power to be used for good mm, that is i love that yeah i just mm-hmm. um because yeah there is like we can we can own that power in that situation so i'm glad you said mm-hmm. fuck off to that guy i did and I, <laughs> you know oh didn't go to hell oh that was what i wanted to tell you um not going to hell <laughs> 
Um, I said, remind me, do we have a moment? Do we have a little oh, bit? Yes, I'm not absolutely. sure what time it is. Um, okay. Um, about seven years, seven or eight years ago, I, uh, put something on Facebook, wherever I was doing the sacred, cherishing the sacred and the sensuous and sexuality workshop. And I said, you know, like honoring the sacred and using sacred and sexuality in the same word. And um, somebody that is related to somebody that I know um, that is a, was a friend because of this relation publicly um, commented that uh, somewhat in a condemning way, how dare you use like sacred and sexuality in the same sentence. How mm -hmm. dare you do that? God does not like God is the one that say, and I actually agree like God, whatever your, your vision of God is, but to put sexuality was, was, um, was a sin for her. As I was saying, a cherishing the sacred and sexuality, only God could do that is what she was telling me publicly in this with passion with much passion and i heard it and deleted it and private messaged her and explained that um i think she may have misunderstood what i was going to share in this and told her some you know some of the things that i said and that if anything is sacred the human body is sacred and who made the human who made it like you know if your belief is that god created us like that's the ultimate and said, when I didn't make her wrong, I mean, I was, I wasn't um, defending myself I, and I wasn't explaining. I was simply saying, I hear you. And this is where I'm coming from. Yeah. Um, and I did that privately. I did that. And she wrote a beautiful message back, like a beautiful, Oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I misunderstood, you know, what you were saying. And I've had people do, I did a lot of HIV work um, through the years. I had people for, I was Catholic. I had people from my church calling me and telling me I was going to hell for, for sharing AIDS and HIV education. So there's a, there, it's the beliefs are so deep and I think everybody gets to believe what they want, you know, but I have a challenging time when someone tries to put that on me. Mm -hmm. But I want to share the piece of this story that I think is vivid that I didn't, I really did not judge her. I wanted to love her back. I wanted to be a place where love showed up. Mm -hmm. and she wrote back very lovingly and um she was a child soldier um in sri lanka oh, when she wow. was 14 and she led a group of girls away from the people that were over them and they were the story that i remember is that they were out you know getting trying to go back home they had escaped a small group of, of girls and she was one of the leaders to help them get away. And it was nighttime, they were in an abandoned home and she was on watch. They rotated who was on watch for other people coming. You know, something that you and I could not, I can't imagine yeah. that. Um, and she was, it was in the middle of the night and it was her turn and she was up on the hillside looking down at the house when it blew up. And everyone in the house was killed. Oh my God. And she found Jesus. After that, she got close. That was her healing. That was her, her salve, her, her sacred healing. And I respect that to the end of the earth, mm -hmm. you know? And so I just want to add that with the, the other things that I said with this is like, we don't know when someone says something or does something, what 
where, where it comes from. That is actually a really great reminder. And that's something I admire about you because, um, yeah, you, you didn't take it personally and then you, you replied with love. And I think that's a missing ingredient that we all forget sometimes and need. It's like Mm -hmm. the love that we might not have received in the way that we wanted Mm -hmm. to have received. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that was, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, Susan, for mm. coming on and for sharing. I, yeah, mm. I just love talking to you. Um, how can people learn more about you? Thank you. I love talking and listening to you, <laughs> as we've done for years now. I don't know how many years, but years. You know, 10. And 10, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you got the... You got the math down. I'm, I'm really good with sexuality. <laughs> I could do that stuff. Um, so I have one other comment I just want to make before I give my website. And, and that is um, for people who didn't have, um, you know, who had similar uh, things uh, that weren't loving about sex or sexuality to really explore, to love on themselves and to reconsider like our bodies our bodies are so sacred and so loving and we need to love ourselves first Mm. completely whole before we're with another person. We can't um, have another person complete us Mm. um, either in relationship or or in sexuality. We need to be whole. And I just going to say that if you'd like to learn more, um, I do coaching. I love doing coaching on this. My website is, SusanTate.org. That's S-U-S-A-N-T-A-T-E.org. Think org for orgasm. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> or organic, whatever feels good to you. <laughs> and you'll find you'll find my work there, my Nia work. I'm a wedding officiant. Um, my books are there. I do coaching that I love. I'm passionate. I'm passionate about wellness for people and and letting people remember reminding people who they really are Mm, yeah I I just like yours you are worth knowing and you're worth working with (laughs) because you just yeah you you don't judge yeah and you're thank you so well thank you so much and everyone Mm -hmm. who's listening please check out Susan's work um and you can also I think you're also on Instagram and Facebook I am. Mm -hmm. And I can Mm -hmm. share those links as well. Um, Oh, thank you. I'll send you all those links if you need them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And uh, join us again next week. Thanks so much. Bye. Hey, I am so excited to share that on Monday, October 21st, 2019, I'll be hosting a free five-day Unlock Your Inner Confidence Challenge. If you've been wanting to transform limiting beliefs and boost your confidence in a safe community of like-minded women, then this is totally for you. This five-day challenge will be hosted over our private Facebook group community, and I'm seriously so stoked to finally be offering this. Please join us. It's going to be so fun. Invite your friends who you know can benefit benefit. Details and sign up are in the show notes. The links are provided, or you can also visit my Instagram profile, michellewong.xo. Click on the profile link to learn more and to register. I'm seriously stoked. See you there. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Emergence podcast. 
Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and thank you in advance for sharing this with others who can benefit. Until next time.